Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to the Election Ride Home for Wednesday, March 4th, 2020. I'm your host, Jackson Bird, with a summary of election news. Today, it's the aftermath of Super Tuesday. Joe Biden exceeded expectations, Mike Bloomberg is out, and Elizabeth Warren is reassessing her options. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. So the latest breaking news as of recording is that former Mayor Michael Bloomberg has officially ended his campaign. And his endorsement goes to Joe Biden. Bloomberg said in a statement, quote, I've always believed that defeating Donald Trump starts with uniting behind the candidate with the best shot to do it. After yesterday's vote, it is clear that candidate is my friend and a great American, Joe Biden. Senior advisor to the Bloomberg campaign, Tim O'Brien, confirmed Bloomberg's pledge to put his substantial resources behind Biden, saying earlier today, quote, We have long-term leases and long-term contracts with the team, and the intention was always to put this big machine we have built behind whoever the nominee is, end quote. And big machine it sure is. Washington Post data reporter Christopher Ingram said on Twitter, quote, With a net worth of about $62 billion, Bloomberg spent about $500 million to run for president. That's equivalent to a typical American $100,000 net worth spending $830. Ingram continued, Another way to think of this, Bloomberg's spent less than a third as much of his wealth as a middle-class person who maxed out their individual campaign contribution of $2,800. End quote kind of puts things into context there. Despite his lavish spending compared to other candidates, however, Bloomberg, who did not compete in any primaries or caucuses until last night, ultimately won just one contest, American Samoa. But back to last night, Super Tuesday has finally come and gone. If you had told me just a week ago these would be the results, I am not sure I would have believed you. So here is an overview of the results we have so far and a few interesting takeaways. Vice President Biden won the following nine of 15 states and territories on offer. Virginia, Alabama, Arkansas, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, and Texas. Senator Sanders won Colorado, Utah, and Vermont, and Mayor Bloomberg, like I said, won American Samoa. Maine is presently too close to call. Sanders is projected to win California, but we're still waiting on the delegate count to see what the exact margin will be. With 415 delegates coming from California, it could just about make up for how many states he lost to Biden, and not completely, but could help it be less of a sting. If you compare the results to 538's projected forecast from yesterday before polls opened, Biden overperformed just about everywhere. 
Sanders was just about on target or underperforming in most states compared to the projections, and with the exception of Bloomberg winning American Samoa, all other candidates underperformed just about across the board. One of the biggest upsets was Senator Warren not just losing her home state of Massachusetts, but losing it to Biden as opposed to Sanders, as many polls predicted, and coming in third place. It's a major upset, but she's still on track to pick up a handful of delegates there, so that's something, I suppose. Delegate results will be continuing to pour in over the next several days, so there's not much to definitively say there just yet. Instead, let's look at some exit poll results. Turnout seemed pretty high across the board, if the long lines at many precincts are any indication, more on that in a moment. But turnout in Virginia was groundbreaking. Quoting the Washington Post, Voter turnout in Virginia surged on Super Tuesday, surpassing the robust 2008 levels and delivering Biden a convincing victory and a commanding share of the 99 delegates that were up for grabs there. In 2016, about 14% of registered voters, or about 785,000 people, participated in the Democratic primary. This year, 23%, or about 1.3 million people, cast ballots, according to the Virginia Public Access Project, end quote. Turnout was also high among LGBTQ plus voters. According to NBC News exit polls, LGBTQ plus voters, quote, made up a disproportionately high 9% of the electorate in the Super Tuesday contests, end quote. For context, the Williams Institute estimates that just 4.5% of the U.S. population is LGBTQ plus, or half of that 9% average of the Super Tuesday electorate. Conducted in 12 of the 14 Super Tuesday states, the NBC News exit polling showed that 42% of those LGBTQ plus voters cast their ballots for Senator Sanders and 22% for Senator Warren, meaning more than two-thirds of LGBTQ plus voters backed the most progressive Democrats on the ballot. Vice President Biden got 19% of their votes, Mayor Bloomberg 9, and Mayor Buttigieg, a part of the LGBTQ plus community himself, only 6% although that was only based on early voting before he dropped out. NBC News exit polls also showed, quote, while Sanders had a 15-point edge over Biden with first-time voters, those voters made up just 14% of the Super Tuesday electorate, end quote. According to exit polling conducted by the Washington Post, Biden performed very well with black voters, quote, he was supported by roughly 7 in 10 black voters in Alabama and Virginia and about 6 in 10 in North Carolina and Texas. The outlier? Massachusetts. There, black voters made up about 1 in 10 voters and Biden edged out Sanders only by single digits, end quote. Meanwhile, Sanders performed better with Hispanic voters, quoting the Washington Post, Hispanic voters showed a strong preference for Sanders in the states where they made up the largest shares of the Democratic primary voters, exit polls show. About 3 in 10 voters in Texas identified themselves as Hispanic, and just under half of them voted for Sanders. Biden got about 1 in 4 votes from Hispanics. The share of Hispanic voters was slightly smaller in California, but Sanders won the group by a larger margin, according to exit polling, capturing a majority of their votes. Biden got about one in five, giving Sanders a margin of about 30 percentage points, end quote. A lot of voters, especially in California and Texas, faced extremely long lines at polling locations last night. 
Ed Lavendera, national correspondent at CNN, shared a photo on Twitter of Hervis Rogers, the last voter to leave the polling location at Texas Southern University last night, where it took him nearly seven hours to vote. First of all, shout out to Hervis for persevering. But why did this happen? Why does this seem like it always happens? Quoting the New York Times, Several factors are involved here, including the sheer length of some of Texas's ballots. As Michael Lee, senior counsel at the Brennan Center for Justice's Democracy program, noted on Twitter, voters had to pick not just a presidential candidate, but also nominees for a slew of congressional, state, and local races. But a major contributor is this simple fact. Texas officials have closed some 750 polling places since the Supreme Court overturned a key part of the Voting Rights Act in 2013. And most of those polling places, 542 to be specific, were in the 50 counties that gained the most black and Latino residents, according to an analysis by The Guardian. End quote. As for California, the LA Times reports, quote, local voting officials blamed the delays on a combination of high turnout and glitches affecting the new election equipment. LA officials spent months trying to raise awareness about the two big changes, the elimination of neighborhood polling places and the debut of ballot-marking touchscreen devices in regional vote centers. Some 22,000 machines were deployed across LA County. Elections officials did not say how many machines failed and were taken out of operation, end quote. One more interesting outcome from last night, quoting CNBC, Stocks surged on Wednesday as major victories from former Vice President Joe Biden during Super Tuesday sparked a massive rally within the healthcare sector. The Dow Jones Industrial Average traded 622 points higher, or 2.4%. The S&P 500 jumped 2.2%, while the Nasdaq Composite advanced 2%. Tuesday's primary results sent healthcare stocks flying. End quote. While this is mostly in response to relief at Sanders' losses, viewing it as a decreased likelihood of Medicare for All being enacted, Ritholtz Wealth Management CEO Josh Brown did tweet, quote, Stocks will be even more relieved at Warren's coming concession as they are at Biden's big showing. Wall Streeters have always secretly been more afraid of her than anyone else, given her domain expertise. End quote. Let's talk about Biden's big night, what it means for Sanders, and how we got here. Quoting Politico, On Tuesday night, Joe Biden engineered one of the most monumental political comebacks in the history of party primaries. The scale of his Super Tuesday route over three well-funded and hyper-organized Democrats, Bernie Sanders, Michael Bloomberg, and Elizabeth Warren, has no comparison. Biden won every state in the South by double digits. He won Minnesota, the only contest in the Midwest, by nine points. He narrowly won Texas. In the Northeast, he won Massachusetts, the home state of Elizabeth Warren, and remained competitive in Maine. End quote. One reason to explain this is Biden's incredible support from black voters. Quote, Biden won those voters in every state in which exit polls registered a significant black population, from a low of 33% in California to a high of 72% in Alabama. Sanders did better with black voters outside the South, but he failed to improve over his 2016 numbers. Politico continued, The Democratic establishment was divided and feckless before South Carolina. After African Americans weighed in, party leaders rallied around Biden. Once the Democratic establishment spoke, the effect was powerful. 
When voters in a party are divided on a big issue, it's a well-known fact that cues from respected party leaders can have a galvanizing effect. End quote. And all the media attention on these developments helped Biden in a big way. Politico estimates that the free coverage he received over the past few days was worth over $100 million. For context, that's more than Vice President Biden has raised throughout his entire 2020 campaign. Alex Seitzwald, senior digital politics reporter for NBC News, pointed out on Twitter, One potential loser tonight is campaigns. Like, in general. Joe Biden had one field office in Virginia, was outspent 7-1 to one by Sanders and almost 100-1 to one by Bloomberg in all Super Tuesday states, had barely campaigned in any states, and yet, end quote. It's true that even without spending a ton of campaign cash, Biden had everything else working out for him. Quoting Politico again, Biden was partially assisted by the dramatic rearrangement of the viable candidates after South Carolina when the moderates Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg dropped out, while the left was divided by Warren remaining in the race. Biden might not have won Massachusetts or Minnesota, where the totals for Warren and Sanders exceeded Biden's support in a one-on-one race. And Warren likely kept Sanders from winning more delegates in California and Texas, though the impact of Bloomberg, who was on track to best Warren in both states, may have harmed Biden as much as Warren harmed Sanders, end quote. Another feather in Joe Biden's hat is that Bernie Sanders' insistence and major strategy that he'll hugely increase voter turnout, implying that it will largely be in his favor, hasn't quite panned out. Says Politico, quote, To the extent that new voter turnout is higher, it isn't breaking for Sanders, and youth turnout hasn't exploded. That's the revolution Sanders promised, but 18 states have voted, and it hasn't materialized. End quote. Ezra Klein, expounding on this theory, said, quote, It's not that Sanders is running a weak campaign, but he is, in a way, running the wrong campaign. He's the frontrunner for the Democratic nomination, at least he was until tonight, but he's still running as an insurgent. The political revolution was supposed to close the gap between these realities. If Sanders could turn out enough new voters, he could sweep away the Democratic establishment and build his own party in its place. But going all the way back to Iowa, that strategy failed. Sanders won as a Democrat, not a revolutionary, and he needed to pivot to a strategy that would unite the existing Democratic Party around him. Klein continues, Sanders supporters have reacted to Biden's endorsements with fury. To them, it's proof the fix is in. If that's the lesson Sanders supporters take about how power works, it's the wrong lesson. The work of the president requires convincing legislators in your party to support your agenda, sometimes at the cost of your political or policy ambitions. If Sanders and his team don't figure out how to do it, they could very well lose to Biden, and even if they win, they'll be unable to govern. Persuading the Amy Klobuchars of the world to support you even when they know it's a risk is exactly what the president needs to do to pass bills whether that's a Green New Deal or Medicare for All or just an infrastructure package. Biden, for all his weak debate performances and meandering speeches, is showing he still has that legislator's touch. That he can unite the party around him and convince even moderate Democrats to support a liberal agenda is literally the case for his candidacy. End quote. As the more moderate camp has coalesced around Vice President Biden, and he is appearing for the first time in many months as a viable nominee, a lot of voters have moved to support him as well. Quoting the Washington Post exit poll results, Biden's support was consistently drawn Tuesday night from voters who put a higher priority on beating Trump 
than on agreement with the candidate's policy positions. A clear majority of voters prioritized electability in every state, according to exit polls. And in 9 out of 12 states, these voters favored Biden. End quote. Despite increasing pressure from all sides, the Sanders campaign remains confident. Quoting the New York Times, As Mr. Sanders returned to Vermont, where he voted Tuesday morning, his allies acknowledged that they had been caught off guard by the swiftness with which Mr. Biden's former adversaries had locked arms to oppose Mr. Sanders' campaign. They argued that Mr. Sanders was still far better equipped financially and in his campaign organization than Mr. Biden to compete for the nomination over a long primary race. And they vowed to highlight to voters the sharp differences in their agendas, end quote. As for Sanders himself, he said at a campaign party in Vermont last night, you cannot beat Trump with the same old, same old kind of politics. What we need is a new politics that brings working class people into our political movement, end quote. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The latest news as of recording is that Senator Warren, who had previously maintained that she would keep going all the way to the convention with as many or as few delegates as she could get, is now reassessing her campaign's path forward. I don't know how soon we'll hear her decision, so for now, let's just take a look back at how we got to last night a very disappointing night for the Warren campaign. Quoting Politico, Three weeks ago, the campaign said it was poised to finish in the top two in eight of the 14 states that vote on Super Tuesday. She didn't in any, including her home state of Massachusetts. California votes are still being counted, but she's currently running a distant fourth. This past weekend, the campaign and allies predicted that the field winnowing would rebound to Warren's benefits. It didn't. The campaign also has financial constraints that come with a unionized staff of over a thousand people, the largest field operation in the race besides Mike Bloomberg's, even after raising $29 million in February. With a payroll at over $6 million per month, the campaign likely needs to keep at least several million dollars on hand to cover paychecks, benefits, and other assorted shutdown costs to avoid going into debt. Warren was able to raise a significant amount of that money with her strong debate performances, but there's not another debate until March 15th. The Super PAC that provided over $12 million in air cover to Warren ahead of Super Tuesday also has said it is not placing ad buys for March 10th. End quote. Quoting the Associated Press, Warren's campaign had all the early markers of success. Robust poll numbers, impressive fundraising, and a national organization. 
but she was squeezed out by Sanders, who had an immovable base of support among progressives she needed to win over. Warren's campaign began with enormous promise that she could carry that momentum into the presidential race. Last summer, she drew tens of thousands of supporters to Manhattan's Washington Square Park, a scene that was repeated in places like Washington State and Minnesota. Warren, 70, appeared to hit her stride as she hammered the idea that more moderate Democratic candidates, including Biden, weren't ambitious enough to roll back Trump's policies and were too reliant on political consultants and fickle polling. But Warren was unable to consolidate the support of the Democratic Party's most liberal wing against the race's other top progressive, Sanders. End quote. Warren often struggled to differentiate herself in an expanded field of candidates and also break outside the main demographic she appealed to. Referencing The Economist's polling aggregator, Matthew Iglesias at Vox points out that while Senator Sanders was always very popular with white college graduates, she struggled to win over the support of the working class. Iglesias says, quote, Even at a time when Warren had, in its estimate, fallen to fourth place in national polling, she was first with white college graduates and first with Democrats who have advanced degrees, end quote. This is substantiated by the Washington Post's exit polls from last night that show voters without college degrees as one of Senator Warren's least supportive groups, whereas voters with college degrees were among her most supportive voting blocs. Pushing people to think outside of their filter bubbles, Iglesias continues, quote, In the actual American population distribution, there are more high school dropouts than people with master's degrees. The median American under the age of 30 has $0 in student loan debt. Not because the median young person is super rich, but because most people didn't attend expensive higher education institutions in the first place. End quote. Paul Begala, a Democratic strategist who worked on President Bill Clinton's 1992 campaign, said to the New York Times earlier this week, What too many voters see is Professor Warren from Harvard Law and not Betsy from Norman, Oklahoma. End quote. Senator Warren has yet to win a single contest or even get above third place in any state or territory. As of recording, NPR is estimating she has 53 delegates total compared to Biden and Sanders' counts in the hundreds. We'll probably hear later today or tomorrow morning what Warren and her team have decided after they take the day to reassess the path forward, and I will have those updates for you in tomorrow's episode. And that is the election roundup for the day. As always, you can find Election Ride Home on Twitter at Election Podcast or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Election Ride Home. Thank you all for listening and have a great rest of your day. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.